just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is a Wednesday, headed through yet another week. Got all kinds of things to talk about, some very interesting things. In fact, one thing that's very crucial to what's happening with the January 6th committee and the Department of Justice. So we'll talk about that in a moment. I'm a little concerned that I'm maybe becoming a lazy bastard. (laughs) because for this show, I didn't put in as much time as I normally do. Usually throughout the day, I'm watching the news, reading about it, researching it. I'm not spending every minute of every day, but I'm spending a lot of time doing that. Well, my wife was off of work, and she said, we're going to go out and do something, which we did. So we spent most of the day doing whatever we were doing, And I didn't start really looking at the news until I got back about 8.30 uh, yesterday night. So I didn't quite put in as much time as I normally do. But there are some specific stories that we can talk about. And uh, I do know about them now. So I think we'll be okay. We've got three emails. Now, if you remember yesterday, I was kind of whining about not having any emails. And what I found is that apparently whining works (laughs) because I've got some emails now. And I thank those folks for sending said emails. First one comes from Bob. He says, hey, Mike, I just wanted to ask a favor. Bob, I don't even know your last name. Now you're asking me for favors? For Christ's sake, what are you thinking? No, I'm kidding. I noticed during the podcast that you often refer to Fox as Fox News. Just wondering if you can cease and desist on that. It gives them some legitimacy that they don't deserve, nor have they earned. They don't even take themselves seriously, like when they went into court and said no reasonable person would listen or believe them. I understand that much of their lineup is opinion, not news, but when Tucker, Hannity, and the gang gets labeled as news, we all lose. Insert your own pejorative term, if you like, behind Fox, much as you did with the Trumplefucks, which is funny, fitting, and a great descriptor. At best, they are propaganda machine that Gables would be proud of, but let's not call them news. All my best. Bob. Well, Bob, I get it. I understand what you're saying. The reason I say Fox News is because that's the name. If you look on television when they're on TV, it says Fox News. Not just Fox, it says Fox News. If you go to their website, it's foxnews.com. Now, I get what you're saying. Here's the thing, Bob. Anybody that has any common sense, any logic, any intelligence knows it's not news. The 30% of the people that continue to follow Fox News don't know, but we don't give a fuck about them. We don't care. They don't count. I'll try to do it. I can't promise you, Bob. You know, when when I used to do the traffic reports, um, 
sometimes they'd come to me and say, would you do something a little different on the outro, you know, a standard outro on the reports? And I said, yeah, I can do that, but you got to give me some time. And what do you mean? I said, you know, I'm on the air every 10 minutes, every day, Monday through Friday. I've said that same line a million times. It's almost automatic for me. It's almost rote. So when I get to that point, uh, I may not even be paying attention, and I'll just say it accidentally. So I will make the change, but it may take some time. So you're going to have to be patient with me. Next time I say Fox News... (laughs) like I just did, I'll try to add something uh, a little less impressive. Because you're right, they aren't news. They aren't even registered as a news organization. So that's a misnomer. Uh, but that's that's in line with everything else they fucking do. They lie all the time. So the fact that they call themselves Fox News isn't surprising. But I get it, Bob. I think we've got bigger issues to be concerned about. But, you know. I get it, and I'll do my best. But you're probably going to have to give me a little time. It'll take a while to rewire my brain not to say it. Anyway, the next one. This one comes from Fred. Now, Fred has sent emails before. He's been on the show. Very bright guy. We had a good time talking to him. He says, Mike, you sounded a little bummed today that you had no emails or guests, LOL. Well, I think I was thinking about the email from the listener that didn't want to give her name at first. I believe it's Jody, specifically the one where she was talking about not wanting to send it because it seemed like she was gushing about Jenna. Well, I'll gush too. I think it would be great to be on a show with Jenna and would definitely want to do one myself. In addition, you summed up the shows with Jenna perfectly, so I think it would be great for you to be on a show with Jenna. (laughs) We'll let Mike be on it too. Well, thank you. It's my fucking show. (laughs) I get the joke, Fred. I think there are so many people out there that uh, minimize women. And your points of view need to be heard. The latest example is Matt Gates and his comments about no one wanting to impregnate women who speak out for abortion and women's rights. It's just disgusting and ironic coming from a guy who looks like Butthead from Beavis and Butthead. Keep up the great work, Mike. I hope to hear Jenna on a future show and hopefully a show with Jenna and Jody. Fred. Well, Fred, you make a good point, and I appreciate you uh, digging deep and sending me an email because you felt sorry for me. I'm not above using sympathy to get what I want on this show, but you make a good point. Jenna and Jody on the same show, we could do that. Jenna and Fred on the same show, we could do that. Jenna and me, we could do that. Jenna, me, and Ed, we could do that. It's all a matter of coordinating it, you know, seeing where everybody is available at the same time. So Jenna and Jody and Fred and whoever, there's a lot of good people out there that have already been on the show, and I'm convinced that there are a bunch of very good people who have yet to be on the show. If you haven't been on the show and you're thinking, 
well, maybe I should. Think about this. These people have come on the show, and now people are requesting them again. You might be one of those people. So stop fucking around. Send me an email, and let's do this thing. Janet and Jody, you know what to do. Fred, you know what to do. Give me a solid commitment and a time frame that you're available. We'll get it done. All right. This comes from a woman. Now, the last time she sent me an email, she said, don't say her name. So I won't. (laughs) She says, hello, Mike. Something you said in your latest podcast regarding our two-party system and how we need two healthy parties made me think of an article I read a couple of weeks ago about Andrew Yang hinting he'd run for president in 2024. I guess he's formed another party and he wants to run as a third candidate. This upset me because he's just going to split the Democratic vote and we really don't need this right now with Republicans trying to destroy this country. What are your thoughts about this? I need to focus on the midterms right now, but I just can't help worrying about 2024. Well, you make a good point. If another party were to come in, that would be more pointed toward the left, it could split up the Democratic Party. We, we, we saw some issues with a split in parties when Ross Perot came in way back when as a third-party candidate. And as much as Ross Perot seemed like a legitimate candidate, he really didn't have a lot of impact. He did have an impact in splitting up the party. So I get your concern, Um I don't think Andrew Yang is going to be a serious candidate for president. I don't think uh, we have a solid third party uh, in the wings that's really going to have an impact. It would be better that they don't do that. Um, I would hope somebody like Andrew Yang would be smart enough to realize this. I'm just not. I'm just not really worried about it. Here, here's the thing. I think when we get to 2024, we are all going to be surprised. It's definitely not going to be Donald Trump, and I really believe it's not going to be Joe Biden. I just don't think it will be. I don't think he'll run again, and I know that Donald Trump won't be in a position to run. So it'll be a couple of other people, whoever that might be. It could be anybody on the Democratic side. It could be somebody like Katie Porter. It could be somebody like Gavin Newsom. It could be anybody. And the Republicans, we have to wait and see what they're going to do. The Republicans themselves may end up splitting their own party because we got the Trump fucks, the crazy fucking ones, and they're going to want to vote the way they vote. But with all this coming out about Donald Trump, the administration, and the Republican Party, there is going to be a faction of the Republicans who are of a reasonable mind, that are normal, that won't be willing to align themselves with the trump So they're going to vote differently. I think if you see a split in the party, it's more likely to be the Republicans. I know what you're saying. The Democrats could be in that position too because you have the the middle of the road Democrats and you have the progressives. There is a split there. Some even suggest that uh, the progressives were the reason that Hillary Clinton didn't win in 2016 because they were voting for Bernie. 
And to be perfectly honest, I preferred Bernie over Hillary Clinton too, but uh, it's all what we didn't know about Donald Trump. We knew he was a goof. We knew he wasn't too bright, but we had no idea he would be this dangerous. At the time we were in 2016, people were looking for a change from the establishment government folks. And Hillary Clinton is one of those uh, establishment folks. So they thought, well, it was kind of like the Biden-Trump election. People voted for Biden not because Biden was great. They voted for Biden because they didn't want Trump. And I'm convinced to a certain extent that happened um, in 2016. People were tired of the establishment. A lot of people wanted Bernie. And they thought, what the hell, we'll take a shot. We'll take a chance. We'll vote for Donald Trump just to get away from the establishment. Little did they know they'd put our democracy and our country in jeopardy. But, you know, nobody knew that at the time. Here's the deal. I wouldn't worry about splitting up the Democratic Party at this point and causing a problem with the election. There's a lot that's going to happen from the midterms to 2024. There is no way we can even know what's going to happen, but I think we're all going to be surprised. I think you'll see a stronger Democratic Party come 2024, and I think you will see a more divided Republican Party. So I get your point. And yeah, that would be a bad situation. But I don't think Andrew Yang or any other third party liberal could garner enough attention to really stick in the race for any serious amount of time. All right. Now, on my TikToks and on pod on the podcast here, I talk a lot about Donald Trump, of course, the administration and the Republican Party. And every time I do that, there's a certain amount of people that will come to my posts or even to to my emails and say, nothing's ever going to happen to Donald Trump. Nothing at all is going to happen to him. Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice aren't going to do anything. And that always frustrates me. I've said this before on the podcast. It always strikes me of people thinking this needs to happen faster. This needs to happen on my terms. So if it's not going to be that way, I'm just going to fucking pout and say it's not going to happen. Well, that's a childish way to do things. And those people frustrate me. And I'll be honest, these are people that are my followers. These are people that are Democrats. I understand their frustration. I understand their concerns. But as I've said many times, you don't go into anything assuming the worst or expecting to lose. That's just fucking stupid. So this first story is really for those folks, those folks that said nothing's going to happen to Donald Trump and Merrick Garland is doing nothing. Let's be honest. Merrick Garland does have a grand jury set up for the January 6th insurrection. That's not nothing. He is also uh, deposing people in the Trump world that are very close to Donald Trump. In fact, the chief of staff for Mike Pence just recently testified. That's something. That's not nothing. And then we hear this 
story that came out yesterday. The Department of Justice is investigating former President Donald Trump and his efforts to remain in office after he lost the 2020 election, with prosecutors asking witnesses detailed questions about his behavior and meetings he held to overturn the election. That was reported by the Washington Post on Tuesday. The report, citing people familiar with the DOJ's inquiry, uh, said prosecutors have asked detailed questions about meetings held by Trump in December 2020 and 2021 after his November election loss, as well as what instruction he gave his attorneys as they worked on a plan to use slates of fake electors rather than those won by Joe Biden. That's a lot of words. But essentially what this is telling us is that they are now investigating Donald Trump directly. And to be perfectly honest, when it comes down to this insurrection, he is the target. He is the one that started this. He is the one that facilitated this. And he's the one that incited this. Then he's the one that did nothing to stop it. You can see where the Department of Justice is going with this. They know who the culprit is. And that culprit is Donald Trump. They have also asked about Donald Trump's efforts to pressure then-Vice President Mike Pence to refuse to certify the results of the 2020 race. Now, Pence didn't go along with that plan, uh, but he did try. He did try to find a way to do it, but in the end, he realized he couldn't legally do it. Um, Because basically, it meant for the vice president to make false claims that there were issues with the electoral votes that the states had certified for Biden. Now, Mike Pence may be spineless. He may be a weenie. He may be a jerk. He might even be corrupt, but he's not stupid. He knows what would happen to him. He knows that if he went along with what Donald Trump said, that he would be implicated as well, much like Donald Trump is currently being. He didn't want to go to jail. (laughs) What, is Mike too pretty to go to jail? Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine Mike Pence going to a federal penitentiary? Anyway, two top aides to former Vice President Mike Pence have spoken to a grand jury, not the January 6th committee, a grand jury convened by the Justice Department in recent days. Mark Short, who served for nearly two years as Pence's chief of staff, said Monday he spoke to the body after being issued a subpoena. He was a key witness to the final days of the Trump administration and was in the Oval Office on January 4, 2021, when Trump had lawyer John Eastman try to persuade Pence to delay the certification of the Electoral College vote. The grand jury also spoke to Short's deputy, Greg Jacob. The two are the highest-ranking members of the Trump administration to cooperate with the investigation so far. That says a lot. They're getting closer and closer to Donald Trump. They started low with the insurrectionists, and now they're at um, top aides to the vice president. The Post added that the Justice Department prosecutors have reviewed the phone records of senior Trump aides, including those of 
the president's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. The detail builds on a spate of subpoenas issued in recent weeks, including reports that federal agents had seized Eastman's electronic devices and conducted a search at the home of former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark. He is the one that uh, was kind of trying to hoodwink or wanted to hoodwink the uh, secretaries of states in the swing states. Now, the DOJ probe could pose renewal or renewed legal peril for Trump as the agency has power to levy criminal charges against him or others in his orbit. Now, the ongoing investigation by the House Select Committee to the January 6th attack, a separate effort, it's totally different from the uh, grand jury put together by the DOJ, Uh, Now, the J6 committee does not have the power to charge anyone with wrongdoing, but has used a series of public hearings to show the extent of the White House's role in inciting the riot and Trump's failure to stop it. No former president has ever been charged with a crime, despite sweeping investigations into misbehavior. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland, however, said Tuesday that the Justice Department planned to prosecute anyone criminally responsible for interfering with the peaceful transfer of power from one administration to another. We intend to hold everyone, anyone who was criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th, Garland said. Now, he said this to Lester Holt on television, on network television. Here's the interesting thing. Why did Merrick Garland sit down with Lester Holt and do an interview? He hasn't really done that before. It's more than likely because of the heat he's giving, because of the naysayers that I mentioned earlier. Oh, Merrick Garland's not doing anything. He's too weak. He's too afraid. Nothing's ever going to happen. They're not going to do anything. He's obviously feeling this pressure, and he's getting closer to actually doing something with the administration and maybe Donald Trump as well. So he needed to get some information out there without telling them directly um, that they are doing something, they are taking it seriously, and something will get done. There will be a culmination to this situation. So for all you naysayers who have constantly said Merrick Garland isn't doing anything and Donald Trump will never be held accountable, I beg to differ. Now, one of the reasons why a DOJ wouldn't typically indict a former president of the United States is because the general attitude about it is that it would divide this country. It would uh, destroy the country. But here's the deal. The country is already divided And as much as it might have some negative effects by indicting Donald Trump, those effects would probably be even bigger if he didn't indict Donald Trump. If Donald Trump was allowed to get away free and clear from all these crimes, including trying to overthrow our government. The damage that could occur if he didn't indict is probably far greater than, you know, whatever divisiveness or or problems that might occur should he indict the president. I think what we're hearing now is that it's coming soon. Uh, Whether it will come before the midterms, I'm not sure. 
But it sounds like he's preparing us for that. If this wasn't going to happen until after the midterms, well, then he wouldn't have to worry about whether it was going to impact an election. Lester Holt also asked him, listen, if uh, there is a uh, presidential candidate that you're investigating, oh, I don't know, like Donald Trump, if this person is running for president, would you back off? Does that change anything? And Merrick Garland just repeated what he said previously. Anyone that uh, uh, is criminally responsible for interfering with the peaceful transfer of power from one administration to another, we intend to hold everyone, anyone who's criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th. So while he didn't answer it directly about Donald Trump, he said it in no uncertain terms. So... Donald Trump's got a target on his back. And Merrick Garland, whether you like him or not, he is pretty methodical. He is a professional. And if he's going to do this, he's going to fucking do it right. So if you want to keep whining about this, you want to keep crying about this, if you want to keep pouting about it, saying nothing's ever going to happen because it's not happening my way, fuck you, back off. Not everything's about immediate gratification, especially when you're dealing with the law and you're dealing with the government. Everything happens slow. As long as we're seeing progress pointed toward the ultimate goal of making people accountable, just be patient. That's all you have to do. Just be fucking patient. All right, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, I just want to follow up with something I was talking about before the break, and it was regarding Merrick Garland speaking out now. And that tells us a few things. On Tuesday on CNN, analyst Chris Wallace broke down the significance of the new report showing the Justice Department is investigating former President Donald Trump's actions directly in the probe into efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Now, one of the most important takeaways, Wallace said, is that the Attorney General Merrick Garland or someone under him is feeling the pressure from legal commentators and the public to bring charges against the former president and wants people to know they aren't ignoring the situation. Now, this is what I've always said to you. People always ask me, yeah, but what can I do? Keep talking about it. Keep it in the narrative. Complain. Be loud. Be proud. Be talking about it. If you don't like it, say something about it. That, in addition to the January 6th committee, they're doing a an incredible job of bringing all this evidence to light. And as much as they're trying to bring this evidence to light, I think they're also in the process knowingly trying to pressure the DOJ. 
Now, I'm sure there's many things and many situations the DOJ would like to ignore, but the January 6th committee is making that impossible. So when people are talking about it and the J6 committee is doing what they're doing, the commentators on the news have no choice but to talk about it. I've said this before. You want to beat these bullies, you got to play their own game. You've got to drown them out like they've done to the Democrats so many times before. You've got to control the narrative. You can't let them talk. You've got to expose what they've done and keep exposing it. And that's what's happening right now. You've got the J6 committee coming out with the evidence. People in an uproar, they're talking about it. They're putting pressure on. And that, in turn, causes the media to talk about it. And this is a great plan. This is the way to beat the Republicans. And we're in that process right now. So I couldn't be happier. Um, Anderson Cooper said the prosecutors in this case, focusing on the former president's pressure campaign, Garland, sort of made a nod to that as well. It seems to me, Anderson, that one of the most importantly that the Justice Department seems to be on the case, but secondly, they want to be seen as being on the case. And I think that's true. They seem to be lagging behind the January 6th committee, or at least that's how it seems, and the case with Georgia and interference in the election there. On Monday, we found out that they had a grand jury, and we heard testimony from two top aides to Mike Pence, You had the attorney general agreeing to do the interview today, and twice in the interview he said, we're moving urgently. The new report argued Wallace is a full of further clues that the DOJ wants it worked investigating Trump to be known more prominently. Now, Merrick has always shied away from that because that's just who he is. He's very close to the vest, and he doesn't talk about these things because it could be detrimental to the case. One other thing in the story in the Washington Post that is breaking tonight is that that it specifically says they seized the records of Mark Meadows and other people and specifically said they did it in April, months before the January 6th committee, said Wallace. So clearly somebody in the Justice Department from Merrick Garland on down is trying to say we are hot on this case. Don't think that we are lagging behind. And I think that did put a lot of pressure on them. The perception was that the J6 committee was way out in front of the DOJ, mainly because we didn't hear anything coming out of the DOJ. People took that to mean that the DOJ wasn't doing anything. But if you understand Merrick Garland, he is a true professional. I'm not always happy about the way he does things, but let's be honest, I'm not a fucking lawyer. I'm certainly not an attorney general. I want him to do this as efficiently and as effectively as possible. And even if he has to do things that I don't like, well, I'll have to deal with that. I mean, if I need my car fixed, I don't try to fix it myself. I take it to somebody who knows how to do it. And if anybody knows how to do something like this, it would be Merrick Garland. I can't think of anybody else that would be better at it. He may not be as loud and obtrusive and and, uh, in your face as a lot of people might be, but apparently that's something he has to do in order to 
finished the job. And in the end, that's all that matters is that he finishes the job, that people are held accountable. And I'm feeling better about it with Merrick Garland. At least we're seeing some movement. And that's what I've always said is that you don't have to tell us everything. Just show us you're doing something. Well, he did that. And for those people that want to continue to say nothing's going to happen, okay, cover your head, go into the corner, and cry until it's over. And then when it's over, I'm going to point out how stupid you were. (laughs) Whether you're friend or foe, it's frustrating when you hear people do this. All right, let's move on to a different topic. Uh, The White House said on Tuesday that President Biden is mulling whether to extend the pause on federal student loan payments and whether to forgive student loans on a broader scale ahead of a pandemic-related moratorium on payments that are set to resume on August 31st. So we're just over a month away from these payments to start again. He'll make a decision, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said. I'll let him speak. Now, She noted that Biden told reporters last week that the end of August is his timeline for making a decision. Biden in April extended the pandemic moratorium on federal student loan payments and interest accrual through August. Jean-Pierre said the president understands firsthand how burdensome this can be for many Americans across the country. That's why he took the action that he did when it came to pausing the repayment. She said she didn't have anything more to share on the loan cancellation. Other White House officials have been mum when asked for updates on whether Biden will forgive any amount of student loans by executive action. Top economic advisor Brian Deese said that he didn't have anything new to share on student loans, adding on Tuesday that the president spoke to the timeline issue. The fact that they're not talking about it may be an interesting sign. Uh, In as far as whether you do it with an executive order, I don't know that he has any choice. He certainly can't count on the Republicans, Manchin, or Cinema to help him out, so you won't be able to run it through Congress. Now, the thing about it is, is when when you do an executive order, it's weaker than passing a bill because the next president can come in and do an executive order getting rid of it. But is that bad? Second, first of all, that's assuming there's a Republican president in 2024, and I don't see how that even happens. But once he does an executive order for giving whatever amount he forgives, I mean, the barn doors open, the cows got out. They can't change that once all the money has been forgiven. A Department of Education spokesperson told The Hill on Tuesday, thehill.com, on Tuesday that the administration is assessing whether to extend the payment pause, but that borrowers will be communicated with directly about the end of the freeze. Now, the Department of Education will continue to assess the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and the economy on student loan borrowers. We will communicate directly with borrowers, borrowers, why can't I say that, about the end of the payment pause when a decision is made, the spokesman said. 
Now, the statement follows Wall Street Journal reporting on Monday that student loan servicing contractors have been told to not send spending uh, billing statements. They can't send billing statements, even though we're getting close to the deadline. Now, before Biden announced the last extension in April, the Department of Education had asked companies not to send out notices about resuming payments. The pause on student loan payments was first enacted in March 2020 under President Trump and has been extended multiple times since then. The White House has previously indicated that it's nearing a decision on broad student loan debt forgiveness, zeroing in on canceling $10,000 per borrower, but has not yet reached a final decision. Now, the administration in June announced a plan to discharge all outstanding federal student loans borrowed by former Corinthian colleges, students providing $5.8 billion in loan cancellations to 560,000 borrowers. I got to change the lent- <laughs> You know what I'm saying. The group loan discharged applied to all former students who attended any campus owned or operated by Corinthian Colleges Incorporated since the company was founded in 1995 through its closure in 2015. I've talked about this a number of times, and I'll talk about it again. Um, Just a heads up. My son had a student loan. My wife had a student loan. We paid those. I've got no dog in this race or this fight. But I think in realistic terms, giving students who are enslaved to this debt, it's ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, you go to college, you spend fifty to $100,000 in college just so you can get a job making $35,000 a year. That makes no financial fucking sense at all. Let's be honest, unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or some kind of professional like that, it almost doesn't make sense to go to college. Now, I'm not saying college is a bad thing, but when you have to pay the prices they're asking, that's a problem. Joe Biden has said, I want to forgive $10,000. Let's be honest, if he forgives $10,000, that isn't going to do jack shit. That's that's a joke. That's just trying to make it look like you're doing something, but doing nothing at all. The state of this country, if we're thinking about the economy and the young people that will be taking this country over, the millennials and the Gen Zs, we've got to take them out from under these loans, not only for their sake, but for our sake, for the sake of the country. If we have entire generations saddled with all this debt. They are going to be horrible consumers. They won't be able to afford a lot of things, and they won't even be able to qualify for a lot of things like a mortgage because of their debt load. Now, if we have a whole generation that can't buy things, can't buy houses, you can understand how that might affect the economy. How that might affect we boomers who have houses we have put our lives into and want to use as our retirement and need to sell. If nobody's qualified to buy them or if they can't buy them at the price you want, then the value of your house goes down. It makes no sense not to relieve these people of their loans, mainly because 
these are ridiculous amounts of money. The um, colleges and universities have gotten out of line as far as what they charge and what they do, and uh, it's put quite a burden on those students who are now stuck with those loans. The other thing I've said before is not only should we release these folks from their loans so we can improve our economy, we should even make our colleges free. Now, that sounds crazy to a lot of people. But one thing we found out in the last six years, that we have a lot of uneducated, stupid fucking people. If we had a country of more educated and smart people, we would be a better country. We have a lot of making up to do. There are a lot of other countries that don't charge for college and medical care and those sorts of things. But somehow, we, the greatest country in the world, allegedly, still charges ridiculous amounts of money and puts an undue burden on students and patients who need medical care. This is about holding down the middle class. And unfortunately, as greedy as the rich people might be, the corporations or the PACs, you can only hold down the middle class so far before you destroy them. And unfortunately, if you destroy them, then you destroy the country. I mean, where are the rich going to grift their money from if the middle class no longer has any money? I made this comparison before. There are some dogs, if you put dog food in their bowl, they'll eat all of it. If you fill it back up again, they'll eat it all again. And they'll keep eating it till they get sick or explode. And this is exactly how the rich and the corporations are behaving. They keep taking and taking and give nothing back. Pretty soon, they're going to take all of what the middle class has, and there'll be nothing left to grift. So as much as the middle class will be destroyed, their fucking income will go away too because they've got nobody to take advantage of. If you want to think about, well, I paid for my college, they should pay for their college, that's fine, but that's fucking short-sighted. What you need to think about is the future. Now, I'm 62 years old. 20 years from now, I may not even be here. But my kids and my grandkids will be. Your kids and your grandkids will be. Don't you want things a little better for him or her? I do. I'm hoping that things are much better for them than they ever were for us. And I think this student loan thing, while it's been put off and put off, is a very important issue. And it needs to be handled properly. I'm not convinced Joe Biden is the guy to handle it properly, but I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope against hope that he will. Now, let's get back to the January 6th thing. A week before the January 6th attack, as Senate Republican leaders implored their members not to object to the results of the 2020 presidential election, of course, Senator Josh Hawley ignored the pleas and announced he'd do it anyway. He's a junior fucking senator from Missouri. This guy has to be hated amongst Democrats and Republicans. The next day, as a regular readers may recall, the Missouri Republican state started raising money off his anti-election scheme, encouraging donors to reward his hostility for democracy with cash. 
Two days ahead of the assault on the Capitol, Hawley appeared in a conservative media and suggested to the Republican base that there was still a chance Donald Trump would remain in office. It would depend on what happened on January 6th, the GOP senator said in a message many radicals no doubt noticed. Shortly before the insurrection, violence began in earnest. Holly raised his fist in solidarity and signaled his support for the rioters and then sent out another fundraising appeal seeking more financial rewards for his anti-election plans. Here's a guy that thinks he's smarter than anybody. Now, soon after the barriers fell, and we've talked about this before, and the Capitol was breached, the editorial board of the Kansas City Star said Holly had blood on his hands for his role in helping create the conditions for violence. The Star's editors added that the Republican had disgraced his office and our state and must either resign or be removed from the U.S. Senate. A year and a half later, the public saw footage. Just recently, we saw footage of Holly literally running from the rioters, prompting the Kansas City Star editorial board to return to the subject. Over the weekend, labeling the Republican, his own newspaper, a fleeing coward and a laughingstock. That's how the media in Missouri feels about him. I can't possibly imagine when he comes up for re-election, I believe in 2024, that he's going to have any chance. His biggest supporter, financial supporter, even backed away from him. So Mr. Hawley's in trouble as far as his future in politics. But I think Mr. Hawley is also in trouble when it comes to the January 6th committee, and ultimately the DOJ, because he was obviously in the middle of all this shit, and he may be implicated in some of the crimes that were committed leading up to January 6th and on January 6th. Well, here's an interesting poll. It's not surprising to me. It may may make people feel uncomfortable, but it is what it is. This is just a CNN poll, and I'll be honest with you, I don't trust CNN completely. But this poll finds that 75% of Democratic and Democratic-leaning voters want the party to nominate someone other than President Joe Biden in the 2024 election. That's a pretty sharp increase from the year before. So it said that 75% of Democrats want somebody other than Joe Biden running for president in 2024 as a Democrat. This isn't surprising to me at all. I mean, whether his polls were good or bad, I still think that would be the case. The poll comes as Biden's approval ratings remain low, and most Americans are discontented with the state of the country and the economy. Inflation remains high, and a new report released Tuesday showed consumer confidence slipped to uh, for a third straight month. Now, here's the deal. Inflation is starting to come down a little bit. Um, So are gas prices. If over time leading up to the midterms or certainly leading up to 2024, this whole thing can change. If you've got all this evidence coming out about Donald Trump and the inflation rate goes down and the gas prices go down, the perspective on Joe Biden will be dramatically different. 
So we can say what we want to say today, and this is what the media does. They'll talk about these things, trying to stir up shit, try to make people uncomfortable. And granted, it's something that you have to look at and, and take to heart. But the fact that the Democrats don't want Joe Biden running, I get it. Joe Biden needs to be more active. He needs to be more aggressive. That is his fault since taking office. Everything else is fine. I like Joe Biden. He's much better than Donald Trump. But we need somebody younger. That's why I've always said when 2024 comes along, Joe Biden's not going to run. He doesn't care about whether people want somebody other than him running in 2024 because he knows somebody other than him is going to run. 24% of Democratic and Democratic-leading voters said that they want someone else because they don't think Biden can win in 2024, up from 18% in a poll conducted in January and February. 32% feel that way because they don't want Biden to be reelected, up from 16% earlier. Now, let me tell you something. These people that don't think Joe Biden can win are the same people that said that Donald Trump was going to win in 2020. These are people that are taken in by the bullshit, by the Republicans, the rhetoric, the lies, the ridiculousness. They have fear or they're pouting or whatever they're doing. So they're saying, oh, I don't think he can beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump will not run. I fucking guarantee you that he will not run for president. Now, depending on who the Republicans get or which way they go, if they go with uh, Ron DeSantis, they don't have a chance in hell in winning in 2024. No way. If they get a more reasonable candidate, well, then maybe, depending on how the economy is. But that's two years away. A lot of things can and will change. So I think I think people are worrying about this unnecessarily. I don't know that this poll that CNN put out is really all that important. Um, We know Joe Biden's um, polling is way down. But you see what what Joe Biden is doing, he's trying to walk a tightrope. He doesn't, he wants to do things, he wants to get things done. But he doesn't want to be too radical because he's fearful that it will hurt the midterms. I think it really does ultimately come down to the Democrats performing very well in the midterms. If they can win a bigger majority in the House and a bigger majority in the Senate, guess what happens? The fucking Democrats do whatever the hell they want. And a lot of stuff will get done. You'll have Build Back Better. You'll have the health care situation You'll have Roe v. Wade codified. You'll have all this stuff codified. And then all of a sudden, Joe Biden will look like a hero, even though it may not be him. And in terms of the student loans that we just talked about a little bit ago, think about this. Who's the ones that are burdened the most by these student loans? Millennials, Gen Zs, the young people. Joe needs to come out strong to get their votes, and relieving them of their debt is one way to do that. 
Maybe this is why it's taking so long. Maybe he wants it closer to the midterms to get the full benefit of it from these young voters when the midterms happen. I don't know that that's true, but common sense would tell you that they're trying to time this out. Timing is everything. Isn't that what they say? And it can be said about the J6 committee, too. They were going to have eight hearings in June. Well, it extended into July. And now more evidence has come out, more witnesses have stepped forward, and now they're saying, you know, we've got more to talk about. We're going to take August off, but we're going to start again in September. And I bet you they go up through October because they want it to come right at the heels of the midterm so they get the full benefit of it. Make no mistake, the Democrats have a strategy here. And frankly, in seeing what they're doing, it's working. Whether it will have the desired effect come the midterms, we don't know for sure. But in my mind, I don't see how it can go any other way. The Democrats will do well in the midterms. And then when they do well in the midterms, then everything fucking changes. The perception of Joe Biden won't make a difference, but he'll probably be well thought of because of all the things that will take place. But his perception won't matter because he doesn't have any intention in running in 2024. I guarantee you he doesn't. And that's why I've said all along when 2024 comes along, we're going to see something we don't expect. We won't see Joe Biden. We won't see Donald Trump. We may not even see Ron DeSantis. Two years is a long ways away, and he's got some other issues down in Florida. I mean, he's running for governor in 2022. Is he even going to win that? I would question that. I don't know that he's going to win. Now, if he doesn't win, that gives him two years to campaign for president. But he's also potentially implicated in some crimes, namely the Matt Gates situation. I still have a strong feeling that he's somehow tied into that shit, and that will change everything. So instead of trying to decide what's going to happen in 2024, let's just do the job we need to do in 2022, and then after that's done, we can get a clearer picture of what needs to be done, what problems we have, or what what strengths the Democrats have. 2024 does not matter until after 2022. After 2022, that midterm elections, you may see Joe Biden said, you know, I'm going to work my hardest till the 2024, but I'm not going to run again. I'll guarantee you he will say something like that after the midterms. I just feel that. Donald Trump, well, either his health or his legal situation or because he feels like he's going to get beat, Donald Trump won't run or maybe even be able to run. Ron DeSantis, he's going to get buried too at one point. He won't be a factor. This always happens in our elections. We always hear these these, uh, strong possibilities for candidates two years out. But when it comes down to it, it's always somebody different. And that's what's going to happen here. We don't know what's going to happen in 2024. And anybody who says they do, they're fucking lying because things are about to change dramatically in this country. And I'm a firm believer that it's going to change for the better, which is going to make our choices in 2024 better. All right. 
We are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time that you do to listen to the show. Again, keep those emails coming because I will start whining again, I promise you. And let's put together some shows with listeners. Obviously, there's a demand for that. And uh, let's uh, start setting some things up and making sure that we have listeners on the show. All right. You have a great day. And we will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.